You're listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is Pastor Steve Nanny, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in to listen to the series that we're in right now on Sunday mornings called I Know You, a study of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. John, with a vision from the Lord and words from Jesus Christ himself, wrote down messages to seven churches that existed in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. This letter is full of advice, encouragement, wisdom that we can take lessons from in our churches today. We hope that you'll listen. Stay tuned to the end for more information about our church. Thanks for listening. Revelation chapter 2 today. Amen. Are you glad you're in church? Amen, amen, amen. It is good to be in the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, right? Now, that's, that's a verse you got to use on your spouse when they wake up cranky on a Sunday morning. Come on now, I was glad when they said unto me, right? Let us go unto the house of the Lord. Revelation chapter 2, we've been talking about, boy, God did, didn't God help us last week? Uh, as we looked into the introduction, we know that we've got the Apostle John. We've got him on the island of Patmos for his faith. He's been persecuted. The church is in a dire strait. There's a lot of persecution going on in the church, and the church is kind of holding on. We're, we're 60 years after the life of Jesus. We're 30 years after the life of Christ, uh, after the life of Paul, and so we're kind of all the apostles are gone. John's the last man standing, and so the church needed some encouragement. And Jesus appears to John in this vision, this revelation of Jesus Christ, and he begins to show himself to John. And John says, "I'm walking among the lampstands. Those seven lampstands. There's seven churches." that we're talking about that kind of all hit the edge almost in a semicircle if you would in the in the area of Asia Minor which is now modern day Turkey but these seven churches were strong churches and but they were needing God's help and Jesus gives John something to write down to show to them so i know you might be thinking well each church got their own letter watch this each church got all seven letters it was all written down together so it would go from Ephesus to Smyrna and it went all the way around and all the letter this one letter was written and read out loud to all the churches so wouldn't you love it if they were talking about faith community down the road at another church today like whoa, whoa that's got to stay in house no Jesus is calling out the church Jesus is seeing and in every every one of these letters he says I know you I know you and then a little later then he says that the spirit let the church hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then he talks about conquering. But let's look at Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. <coughs> Here we go. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles, and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently, and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Think about this, the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. But if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So let's talk about Ephesus just for a minute. Here is the second largest city 
in the Roman Empire. It's a port city. So as you can imagine, there's ships coming in and out. So there's a lot of commerce, a lot of trade. In fact, maybe you have heard of the seven wonders of the ancient world. One of those seven wonders was this temple to Diana, this giant temple built to this mythological unknown god, this temple to Artemis, kind of Diana. There was this 450 foot long, uh, 60 feet wide, 60 feet tall, something like that, 125. It was a marvel of its time. So people would come from all over the place. This is a city of 250,000 people, which is a lot of people for this time. Second only to the city of Rome in the Roman Empire. Think about the history of the church now. Let's talk about God's church in Ephesus. If you know your New Testament a little bit, you know Apollos helped get it started. You've heard that name before. Priscilla and Aquila, this husband and wife, kind of helped get things started. Paul comes in. The book of Acts tells us that Paul spent two years. Two years. That's a lot of time for somebody that travels a lot. Paul spent two years in the church of Ephesus just to make sure because it was an important church in the kingdom of God. It was big and it needed God's help. So Paul spent two years there. Timothy was put in charge of the church. John, the apostle who wrote this, is very close to the church at Ephesus as well. And so no matter how much uh, laurels they had, how much uh, credibility, what kind of resume they had, Jesus said, I have this against you and he has words for them so let's look at verse one he says to the angel of the church at Ephesus a lot of people will say well does that mean every church has an angel what that means is every church has a messenger right so what that literally means that word angel right there is talking about the word messenger to the messenger of the church in Ephesus or in other words to the pastor of the church in Ephesus that is the the the, the voice the messenger of God in that place is the angel of the church. And he says, the words of him who holds the seven stars. This is Jesus, according to chapter 1. He holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands, which is those seven churches. And let's see what he does right out of the gate. He praises them, right? Aren't you thankful that God encourages us? Now, you know a whipping's coming, but he gives you some encouragement right out of the gate. Right? I mean, you know, in every, in, every, in every one of these churches, he's got words for them. But he starts off with some of the things, I know you're doing good. He says, I know your works. I know your toil. I know your patient endurance. How you cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary so what does he say he praises them for their work he praises them for their hard work he praises them for their patient endurance these are all things that we need in our church right we need to be working for the king we need to be working hard for the king patiently enduring he loves it i love this he says you tested the apostles in other words you cared about doctrine hey how many of you understand that people could care less about doctrine but you got to care about doctrine it matters that we rightly divide. It matters that we teach the truth according to the scriptures. We need to make sure we're testing. They said you tested people who claimed to be apostles. You found them out. You examined them carefully. You bore up. You were bearing up for my name's sake. You were not growing weary. In other words, let's talk about this. This was a strong church, right? From the outside looking in. They've probably got a large building, a nice sign. They've got programs for every ages. They've got all kinds of outreach things going on. They've got, the, they've got all kinds of support groups, classes. They've got multiple worship ministries. They've got all this stuff going on. From the outside looking in, according to the human eye, looks like a strong church. Can I tell you that's not how God measures a church? God does not measure a church by the size of a building. That's where you say amen. God doesn't measure a church by the number of amens and hallelujahs and how many worship pastors and pastors and how many people are on full-time staff. That's not how you measure the church of Jesus Christ. It's not measured by the amount of programs or how busy the calendar is. Can I tell you real quick, we're not trying to get a busy calendar. 
We don't need more programs. We need the will of God is what we need. And so that's important for us to realize. But this church, they were busy. They had a lot going on. They had a lot of committed people. They had a lot of good teaching. But, verse 4, you've abandoned the love that you had at first. He says that you had it. So he's telling me you don't have it now. I think this is interesting right here. Because think, think about this with me just for a second. You abandoned the love you had at first. I'll teach you just a little bit of Greek real quick. It goes like this. Protos agape. Protos agape. Protos agape. Say it with me. One, two, three. Protos agape. Easy. It means you've abandoned God's love. See, this is what the Lord shared with me this week. My whole life I've read that going, okay, God, I've abandoned my love for you. This is the message to this church. We've abandoned our love for you. God, forgive us because we've abandoned our love for you. And the Holy Spirit helped me realize in Protos Agape, no, you abandoned my love for you. You, you, What you've abandoned is the revelation of God's love for you. Does that make sense? See, if you're working in your love for God, it, it runs out. It vanishes. It's empty. But if you can have a revelation of God's love for you, now you're spurred on. Now you can do it in power. Because I'm not doing it in my love for God. I'm working in, God's, in my revelation of God's love for, for me. It's agape. It's protos agape. I've abandoned. You've abandoned your first love. Now what's the first love? Well, let's see what the Bible tells us. Let's look at this. 1 John 4.19, I think is where it is. We love... Because he first loved us. Hey, none of you in the room this morning can say, I loved God first. You did not. He loved you first. You responded to his love for you. But then here's what happens is we start going to church. And all of a sudden we think we're loving God. Right? Look at me. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love on people. And you can't do it without the revelation of God's love in you. See, because then it's just an act. Then it's just you being religious. And see, here's the thing. We may say we're not religious and actually be religious. If we're motivated or if we're doing it in the power of our own self. Anybody hearing that? It's important that we serve and minister and build a church. What is this church going to be built on? The revelation of God's love. The revelation of God's love. And can I tell you, our desire is to love people and to love this community and to reach out. But we can only do that in a revelation of God's love for me. Because see, then people think I'm loving them. I'm not loving I can't. I can't love you, but God can love you through me. As I revel and, and marvel and live in all of God's love. You ought to wake up every day and say, dear Lord, you still love me. You still love me. God, do you know what I've done? God's like, duh, I know what you've done. I'm God. I know what you've done. And he still loves you. But see, here's the thing. Watch this. Look what Jesus said in in John chapter 15, verse 4. He said, abide in me. Think about this. This was some of his last words to his disciples before he dies. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you Unless you abide in me. Are you hearing this? Anybody hearing this this morning? Some of you just still think I'm being religious and I'm reading my Bible and I'm attending church and I'm okay. No, no, no. You've got to learn to abide. You've got to learn what that means to stay connected, to abide in Christ. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abide, whoever, that's, abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears Not just fruit, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Now, somebody needs a revelation of that today. Apart from me, you can do what? 
nothing. Some of you think you're doing something. You're not doing, you're doing, I'm about to say you're not doing nothing, but that's bad English. And since I kind of help out the school sometimes, I miss, sorry about that. You cannot do anything. Okay, I'll get this out. You understand what I'm saying though, right? You can't do anything apart from Jesus. You can't do it. I know I was studying this week and I was thinking, okay, so now what does that mean? That means I can't love my wife apart from Christ. I can't talk to you apart from Christ. I can't wash my car. I can't brush my teeth. You might hear an answer that way. Well, you probably could. I'd do a terrible job at it. Right? I, because I want to abide. I want to do everything. You, you want to do a good job at your job on Monday? Do it in Christ. Abide in Christ. Let his love motivate you and spur you on. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that tell me? I am dependent on Christ for everything. Everything. I need Jesus. We got a whole world that just thinks check the box and move on and it's wrong. You got to have Jesus, church. Need him in the morning. Isn't that a children's song? In the morning, in the noontime, in the afternoon, something like that. You got to have Christ. Wake up tomorrow. Jesus, I need you. And if you've run out by 10 o'clock, you need him again. Some of you need Jesus just to get to work in the morning. You done lost your Jesus by the time you hit halfway, one mile on 465. You done lost your Jesus. Right? Help me, Jesus. Right? Help me, Jesus. I can't do anything apart from you. So what that tells me is, so let's think about what this is. So they were busy doing and not being. They were busy doing. We, that's a trap we can get caught in real quick. We can get busy, 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 doing, 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 and we're not doing it, abiding, and we're not being who God's called us to be, and so it's just empty. It's microwave potato. Anybody remember that story I told? From a, see, if you're not here on Wednesday night, you missed stuff. I'm just saying I tell crazy stuff on Wednesday, right? I microwaved a potato many years ago, one of the first microwaves. I put that little, I put that little puppy on 25 minutes. In a microwave that would have killed me if I if it fell on me. It was the biggest microwave you've ever seen. It, you'd put wheels on it. I've seen cars the size of my microwave, the first one we had back in 19, none of your business. You understand? That sucker was big, and I went out and shot baskets, and I came in, and that microwave was blowing smoke. This microwave had vents. That's that old. Smoke rolling out of the microwave. Broke it, by the way, one weekend. Roxanne wasn't happy. That's all right. So, but when I pulled down the door, it was a pull-down door, that little potato skin was still alive with nothing inside. I had burned up completely the entire potato. I poked holes in it like a good boy. And it had evaporated and the only thing left was the shell. That's called doing Jesus without being Jesus. Look like a potato. There ain't no potato in there. It looked like a potato, but there was nothing inside. That's the church of Ephesus. They're doing a lot. You got great programs. right? How many churches will say, we're strong, we got this going on, we got this going on, but they're not being who God's called them to be. The heart they've abandoned, they're not doing it in the revelation of God's love for them. They did it in their strength instead of Christ's love. So what does that look like? What is, what is, what's that first love? What's that, what's that initial that you had it, you've abandoned the, the first love you had? This is what it looks like to me. It's an overwhelming sense of gratitude for what Jesus has done. You, you ever seen that person, right? But, you know, I, went, I took a lot of groups on a lot of mission trips, and there was a lot of tears on a lot of stages because a lot of kids had that initial revelation of the love of God. And then it lasted about a month because they, got, because they got right back in the world 
They stopped feeding their faith. They just kind of got back into normal routine. And guess what? That first love, that revelation of the love of God goes out the window. But can I just say this? Can we just ask God that we never lose that zeal? Can we ask God that we would never lose the mm, fired up feeling of falling in love with Jesus. Could, could it be that when, you know, when you, when you first become a Christian, you're like a little, like a little energizer buddy. You're just telling everybody, oh, Jesus, you got to hear about Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? You got to say, I'll tell you about Jesus. And then we're saved a minute, and then we go to church a while. Then the next thing we know, we're like, oh, I've got to carry my cross. And it's just kind of bearing through it. And then, and then somebody, God even opens up some obvious doors for us to be a witness and to be a light. And you're like, I'm just not feeling it today. I mean, we, we got to be careful, church. We don't get sucked into this grind that the devil wants us to be pulled into. And we lose our joy. We lose our passion. We lose our zeal. It's, uh, it, that, that first love, is, it's an uninhibited. It's fervent. It's unashamed. It, it's exciting. I was thinking about it like this. It's, it's not about our loving God more, but it's about our focusing on His love for us. Think about it like this. If God was the sun, we are hanging in the shadows. So you probably can tell by my freckles I don't tan. Have you picked up on that? I don't, I, in fact, I don't even know that I pink up. I just kind of lobster. You know what I mean? I just lobster. So like we're, we're, we go to a swimming pool, and my wife's like, find me a chair. I'm like, find me an umbrella. If we don't have an umbrella, I'm a dead man. I'm, I mean, 10 minutes in the bright sun, and I'm done. I just burn. Anybody else like that? Where's, you, where's my fair-skinned people? Fair-skinned people. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. We got to stick together. It's fair-skinned, but lobster people, Right? So here I, here I lobster up so because I'm, I'm looking for the shade immediately. See, I think a lot of Christians are looking for the shade. Because the sunshine scares you. Because if you stay in the sunshine, now you're responsible to think like Jesus, act like Jesus, love like Jesus, be like Jesus. So I'm just going to hang in the umbrella under the protection in the safe place. Because you don't want to be held accountable for what it looks like to live in the sun. You hearing that? But I'm telling you what, church, we got to get in the sun. We got to get in the sun. We want the world to see the sun. Because it's, no, nobody says, let's go to the beach and grab an umbrella. No, you say you go to the beach and get some sun. Right? So we, we've got to carry the sun with us as we go. We've got to shine bright. But here's the thing. See, we, we don't want that burden. We don't want that responsibility. See, if we were to be honest this morning, we want just enough Jesus for fire insurance. I just bought a policy. But I want to live how I want to live. I want to act how I want to act. I want to watch and say and do and treat people how they deserve to be treated. I just need a little fire insurance. And you're blaspheming the love of Jesus Christ. Because what we have to do is love people. What we have to do is shine. But I know you're thinking, well, if I shine, then people are thinking, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. And I Stop being a hypocrite then. Right? I don't want to tell people I'm a Christian because then they'll start saying, you're not that way. Just start being that way. Why are we, instead of silent about our faith, let's share our faith and let's live a life that backs our faith. Are you hearing that? Now, when you mess up, and you will, just own it. Just own it. That's going to do you a lot more. See, the, the church decides to shout on Sunday and shut up on Monday. Mm, that, mm, mm, that's a t-shirt right there. That's an Instagram post. We shout on Sunday. We shut up on Monday. Because I don't want my co-worker to know I'm one of them Jesus people. Well, bless God, you should be. You ought to just, you ought to just let, it, let it go. But the thing is, so if I tell them, or if I invite somebody to church, then they'll think I'm that person. I don't want to be that person. What's wrong with that person if it's like Jesus? 
So just start acting like Jesus. Start talking like Jesus. Start behaving like Jesus. And stop doing it on Sundays only, please. For the rest of the kingdom of God, stop being a Christian on Sundays only. And guess what? And so on Tuesday afternoon, when you do something real dumb, and you will, you just got to own it. You just got to own it. God, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Ooh, I blew that one. And if you blow it with somebody you're trying to witness to, just tell them that too. Can, does that make sense to anybody? Am I, being, am I, making, am I connecting it all? We just got to start being authentic, real people who are loving God with all our hearts. And when we blow it, we just admit it. That's going to draw people in quicker than you sitting on a high and mighty ivory tower saying, I'm like Jesus. Come up here and be like me. Let's get in the world. Let's love on people. And when you mess up, just own it and just keep loving on people. But don't, don't go silent on us. Don't go quiet on us. Don't, don't be busy working because I'm telling you, if you'll abide in his love for you, you can't help but live overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Now all of a sudden you're singing a song and tears are coming down. You're reading your Bible and you're like, oh my God, he loves me and I'm loving my neighbor and I'm loving my spouse and I'm loving my kids. So we've got to make sure we don't lose it. See, can I tell you, it, some of you are thinking this morning, like, that kind of sounds like my marriage a little bit. I need to work on that a little bit. Yes, you do. I've told you this story before, but this young married couple, kind of like the Harnages and the Honeys over here, you know, this young married couple <coughs> still got that ooey-gooey love, right? You know, some of you have to kind of, Fake it. That's all right. Keep doing it. See, I, I see how, you know, some of you are kind of sitting close together, and some of you are like, no, I need my space. Why don't you go on over there for a little bit? That's okay. <laughs> You've been married a minute. That's all right. They had, this, they had this pickup truck that they were given on their wedding day. You've heard me tell this. And so they're riding together. They used to snuggle up. Man, James had his arm around Rebecca. There they go, cruising down the road, windows down. This couple was... In love and going down the road in this pickup truck. Well, time happened, right? Bills started happening. Kids started happening. But they kept driving the same old pickup truck. And one day, they're not sitting side by side. They're sitting on the opposite sides of the cab of this truck. And the, the wife looks over at the husband and says, Baby, do you remember... Do you remember when we used to snuggle up in this pickup truck? Boy, those were the days, weren't they? And as he's driving his truck, he goes, I didn't move. You did. Right? I didn't move. You did. Hey, can I tell you, God didn't move. You did. If you're not where you need to be with God today, God didn't move. Are you hearing that? You did. What happened? Where are you at? What's going on? What happened? You were snuggling up with Jesus when you first got saved. Now you're sitting on the other side of the truck complaining about why Jesus isn't driving the way you think he ought to drive. You ought to just snuggle up and say, I trust you, Jesus. You take this pickup wherever you want it to go. I trust you, Jesus. And just go. And just stop even thinking about the destination and fall in love with the driver of the truck again. You hearing that? Let's just fall in love with Jesus. But what happens? What happens? I'll tell you what happens is pride. Pride happens. See, because even right now you're like, well, I'm preaching. You got to just quit now. You don't mind. Just quit. I came to church to get encouraged, not get beat up. Hey, if the shoe fits is all I'm going to say. That's on you, right? I'm just trying to be the messenger, right? Watch this. Here's what happens is we start taking credit, Right? And all of a sudden now we think we can do this. We become self-sufficient. We start focusing on our strength. We start focusing on ourselves, And we stop thinking of Christ's kingdom as magnificent. There's nothing greater than the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus and the cross. And here's, can I tell you this real quick? When the circumstances of life beat you up and tear you down and the devil whispers in your ear, you've got nothing, you run to the cross. You run to the cross because he doesn't owe you anything else. He did it. He paid for you. He took care of everything you would ever need on the cross. And you worried about death, he took care of that too. 
So when you have nothing, you have plenty. You have plenty, right? Yeah, when, you, when your kids come to you and start saying like, well, I need some more stuff. You better shut your mouth. You need more stuff? Look what you got now. Look what you got now, right? How, how many times do we tell God we need more and God's like, more? More? You need more? And so when you run out of stuff, it's because you forgot about his love. When you run out of praise, it's because you ran away from the cross. When you run out of worship, you see, worship, the way we were singing this morning, that is literally your response to the kindness of God. Oh, come on now. Come on. Don't sit here and act like you deserve something. Well, I'm trying to be a good person. Jesus needs to just keep on loving. You, you deserve nothing. But God bankrupt heaven, gave you his son, tore him apart on the cross, sent him to the grave, raised him in power and might so you would have nothing, nothing to be afraid of ever again. I'm, you don't, I, I had a wonderful opportunity this week to talk to someone, this is going to sound terrible, I know, about death. And I gave them the assurance that you just go from life to life. And it encouraged them because they know Jesus. And because they know Jesus, there was some uncertainty about the end. But I read them God's word. And the certainty of God's word is my last breath on this planet is the next one in glory. You hearing that? I don't ever stop breathing. I just take a, I'll take one, breath, one last breath here, but then I'll whoo, expand my lungs in glory with Jesus. And I'll open my eyes and there he'll be. The one who died for me. And if Jesus can remove that fear, come on, what you worried about? What you worried about? Can you trust him? Sure. So focus on his goodness. Focus on his love. Get enamored. Get overwhelmed. Become in awe of God's love for you. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2, we forget this sometimes. That God, we, we always think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? That was the no-no tree. Don't touch that tree. You can have any tree you want, but that tree. But we forget that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit specifically names two trees in the middle of the garden. There was not only the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but there was the tree of life. The tree of life. And so they decided to not eat of the tree of life, and to eat instead of the tree of disobedience. Can I encourage you today to go back to the tree of life? Can I encourage you today to get back on that tree and to focus in on God's love for you? So he gives us a formula. So how do you get back? How do you get back? Let's look at that a little bit. In, in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Five, actually, because he said, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. So he gives us right here. Here's the formula. Remember from where you have fallen. Go back. Where did you lose it? Some of you today going, man, I've just got busy doing it. And I've, I've, lost, I've lost the revelation of God's love. Where did you lose it? What tragedy, what trauma, what situation, what circumstance, what disappointment did God bring your way that all of a sudden you, the devil convinced you that he doesn't love you anymore? And you've lost the revelation of God's love. You're not abiding. He said, remember. Then he says to do this, repent. So I'm telling you today, if you're not abiding in God's love, you need to repent today. So, well, I don't like that word repent. Oh, we got to do it. We got to do it. Well, I repented the day I got saved. You might have to repent more than that. And when I say you might, I'm saying definitely. You've got to be constantly, God, examine my heart. I repent of this attitude. And then do the works you did at first. In other words, go back. Go back. What were, what were you doing that you stopped doing? Repeat. So remember, repent, repeat. Go back. Review. See what God has done for you. In fact, let's go to Acts chapter 2. I want you to see this. So what does that look like? What, is, what does the church look like? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves, Acts 2 42, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship 
and to the breaking of bread and the prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Can I tell you real quick, if you ever get sideways with the church, you probably forgot this right here. You forgot that's what we're supposed to be doing. That we have all things together in common. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. All who believed were together. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing their needs. Day by day, verse 46 says, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor. That's, that's what we're supposed to be about, right? That's what the church is supposed to be about. So it was so important. Look what this, I think this is a pretty big deal. It was so important that he says right here, if not, now look at verse 5 again, remember, repent, repeat. If not, if you can't get there, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Can I tell you, it is so important that you not abandon God's love for you. And if you do, he can shut it down. I, I don't know if you... I'm hearing stories of churches that are shutting down over a pandemic. It, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that the church of Jesus, that there are local churches in our area that have just said, we're done. We're done. We, and I'm telling you the truth, church. If we can't survive a pandemic, we're in trouble. If we can't survive this, I'm just—I'm I'm not about all getting all this. We'll do that in private if you want to. But we're not—if we—if the Church of Jesus can't withstand this storm, what will we do? Because there's more storms coming. There's more storms coming. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to batten down the hatches. Let's go. King Jesus is the captain of the ship, and we're going to be okay if we'll keep him in control. You understand? That storm may get rocky. It might get rough. That, that boat might bounce around a little bit. But with Jesus on board, we're not going down. We're not going down. And we got to make sure we withstand, right? But Jesus said right here, if you can't figure this part out, we're going to shut it down. Because I will not have a church that's just busy and not in my name. We will not have a church that's just full of programs and opportunities and a full calendar and all this kind of stuff and all these big buildings. But you don't focus on my love for you. We'll take the lampstand, put it away. Verse 6, this couldn't be more timely. Boy, couldn't it, this could, these words couldn't be more timely. Look at this, verse 6. I'll explain this real quick. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So have fun this week. Go research Nicolaitans, but I'll tell you what I found real quick. Nicolaitans were a group of Christians. They called themselves Christians, but they were doing it not Christ's way. In fact, one of the seven early deacons. Do you remember in the book of Acts when the apostles said, we got too much going on, we need deacons. And they selected seven deacons. One of the deacons was a man by the name of Nicholas. Nicholas was a deacon. And somehow, over the course of 50 or 60 years, we're not sure if it was Nicholas or people doing it in Nicholas's name. We don't know all the details. A whole sect of sideways Christianity occurred called the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans were a people that said, you can love Jesus and live any way you want to. He said, I thought that just happened in the last few years. That's been going on for a while. You can live any way you want to. Indulge yourself. You're covered in grace. Oh, it's a shame. In fact, I think it's Acts 15 that they specifically said, don't eat food offered to idols. You remember that? That like if a food has been offered to an idol, don't touch it. That food cannot be consumed because it's been offered as a sacrifice to an idol. The Nicolaitans are like, bring that food on. They were a compromised people. Are you hearing this? Anybody, anybody looking around? Anybody see the church of Jesus in 2021? Just do whatever you want to do. You do you. I'll do me. We'll have church. No. No. We cannot do that. 
We cannot disregard what God's Word says. We cannot come into interpretation. If we all start living the Christian life based upon our own opinions, what a mess. We were talking about this this week. I said, and everybody's got to, hey, you know, everybody just kind of live. We talked about this in men's group Wednesday night, right? This idea that everybody can just live according to their own set of morals and their own set of standards, and that way we just don't bother each body. Everybody live according to your own moral standard. That's a nightmare. That's chaos. Hey, everybody go down 31, whatever speed you think. Just whatever. What are you feeling today? Do it. Red light? That don't mean anything. I'm feeling green. I identify as green right now. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I identify as Dale Earnhardt Jr. today. And I'm going to go. I'm going to see if that works for the officer. I'm not going to do that, I promise. But that would be kind of fun, right? Why are you going 100 in a 65? I identify as a NASCAR race driver. He'll say, here's your $250 ticket. Get out of here. That's what he'll do. And isn't that, the, isn't that the joke, the hypocrisy of it all? But church, we can't, we can't look like the world, act like the world, smell like the world, be like the world. That's what the Nicolaitans were. When, when will the church of Jesus, I'm talking about even within Christendom, even within Christianity, we're seeing compromise compromise. Do what you want to do. There's no moral standard. It's okay. This is okay. I've been hearing all week what the Bible actually says, but it means this. What? We're changing the interpretation of Scripture now to mold it to how we want to live. you got to hear this. This is in your world. This is in our world. And somebody's got to raise the flag and say, this has got to stop. In Jesus' name, this has got to stop. Somebody's got to wave the flag for the Word of God and say, we're going to follow. We're going to follow Scripture. We're going to follow the Word. I'm not interested in being popular. I'm not running for mayor or nothing. I don't want a city council seat. I, don't want, I want to be God's man. I want to be the messenger of God. I want you to be the same. I want you to hold a high standard of living. And while the rest of the church crumbles, there's got to be somebody rise to the top and say, here's the truth. You don't know what the truth is? We know it. It's right here. Why don't you read it? Let's get in it. Let's learn it. But let's not compromise. Let's not compromise. Let's not try to work. You know, we're so, we're so interested in being edgy and fitting in and adapting and, and looking like the world and smelling like the world and being like the world. We want to attract people like the world. And I'm telling you, we can't. we got to be Christ. Got to be Christ. Got to have standards. Got to have. Now, that doesn't mean we stop loving people. You hearing that? But can I tell you, people will hear truth when you love them. When you love them, when you meet a need, when you love them. I love you right where you're at, but can, you, can I tell you, you can't stay here. Do you hear that? You wouldn't go up to, to somebody who's really down on their luck and say, hey, I just want you to know I love you, and good luck. That, that person doesn't want to hear anything from me. That, that doesn't want to, they, they don't want, you know, hey, let's do something about your condition. Hey, you've been trying to live life your way for a long time. And I'm just telling you, it's not working out. Can I encourage you to try Jesus? Can, can, we, can I help you to see that God has a plan for your life and that you need to follow that plan and it's laid out in scriptures and he loves you so much? I'm overwhelmed. I'm still overwhelmed. I've been saved for 40, I can't even do the math, a long time. I'm still overwhelmed. Still overwhelmed that he would choose me, that he would love me. And it's power. There we go. Praise our Lord. Oh, my church, if we could get it, if we could get it. Oh, God, I don't want to look like the world, act like the world, be like the world. I don't want the church. So then he says this. He says, listen. He says, listen. He who has an ear. And I'm asking you today to listen. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying to this church in this moment? 
We have got to get back to the fresh revelation of God's love. And we've got to be overwhelmed with His love that spurs us on to do good things in His name and to love our world. So here's what happens when you get back to abiding. So then he says this. I'll, I'll read this real quick because this is an exciting verse right here. To the one who conquers. He says in this in every church. To the one who conquers. And then he gives him a phrase. I will grant to eat of the tree of life. Think about that. He says if you can hear what I'm saying. If you can come back. If you can stop abandoning my love for you, then we're going back to the tree of life. Listen, all the way back. In other words, I'll take you back to where we started. <laughs> I'll take you back to where we started. You know what that looks like? That's protection, that's provision, and that's play. Let me talk about that, protection. Now all of a sudden, I'm abiding in his love for me. I'm protected. I'm safe. He's got me. There's no situation, there's no circumstance that he won't get me through. I'm back to the garden. I'm eating of the tree of life. He's protecting me. And then guess what? Then he provides me with provision. I don't have to worry about anything. Is God going to give me my next meal? Of course, because I'm eating of the tree of life. I'm walking by faith. I'm overwhelmed with God's love for me. I'm his child, and he's going to take care of me. So I'm protected from the world. I'm protected. I'm provided for. He gives me provision. He gives me daily bread. And then he says... Let's play. Well, wait a minute. Now that seems a little. No, what that means is, guess what, church? You're to enjoy him. Right? Some of y'all are married and you don't act like you like it. Don't look at each other right now. That would be weird. <laughs> Keep looking ahead. You're like, do I do an elbow, a high five, a oh me? I don't know. Just keep looking ahead. This is weird. Please don't look at him right now or her. Can I tell you real quick? You ought to be enjoying this Christian life. You ought to be enjoying this. If you're not, it's because you're just busy. Right? You ever have, you've, had, you've had two types of jobs, hopefully. You've had a job you hate and a job you love. Right? Job you hate, you just got to do it. Just check. Just got to get in there. Then you have that job you love, you just get up and go, man, alive. I get to do this. This is amazing. Hey, you didn't come to church, I hope, today because you had to because you get to. You came to church today because it's joy. You know, I, I don't know. You, you got to get here between 915 and 945. There's so much joy in the foyer. We're about to blow the roof off the place. People just loving each other. They're like, what's up? How you doing, Bob? It's love. It's love. People, you just keep loving each other, right? Kevin Kelly, I hadn't seen him in weeks. He gave me the, you ought to watch us hug sometime. It's like two linebackers. It's like, kaboom! I love it. Nobody hugs me like that. I Hopefully nobody hugs him like that because that would hurt. I mean, it's just like, Kevin Kelly, poof! I'm like, oh, man, I felt good. I love that. That is love. That is joy. Can I tell you what now? So you loving it Sunday. Can you love it Monday? Oh, boy. Pastor said I got to read my Bible again. Got that over with. Now let's get on with my Netflix. Come on now. Come on, church. You have forgotten his love. I'm asking you to wake up, remember, repent, repeat, remember, repent, repeat. Let's go to the tree of life. Let's eat. Amen. Back to the garden. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You ever read Genesis? You're like, how cool. Adam's just like, what's up, God? I'm just working, you know, just walking around, butt naked, just chilling, you know, just, you know, we call it butt naked in North Carolina. You know what I mean, though? I didn't mean it's not weird like that. There were just no inhibitions, just, just, just relaxing, enjoying God. But the devil wants to get you so tight. 
He wants to get you so wound up and so religious and so duty driven and so I got to, I got to, I got to. And you're so tight. And you sometimes even come to church like, good morning, praise the Lord. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know? Oh, church, we, because I'm telling you what, I don't want that Jesus. That Jesus won't sell. You hearing that? You can't sell the world an uptight Jesus. But you can sell, you, you can sell a Jesus that loves you unconditionally, who protects you, who provides for you, and you get to enjoy him. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Come on now. I want you to just, I want you to not just let your mind go blank right now. I want you to think about his love for you right now. Come on, right now. Get lost. Remember. Remember what he's done. Every week we take communion because we want you to remember what he's done. Remember the joy you used to have. Remember the uninhibited faith. The passion, the zeal. You used to love to read God's Word. What happened? You used to love to come to church. What happened? Remember. Repent. Repeat. Remember. Repent. Repeat. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m. and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day and always remember that Jesus changes everything.